This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson, and today we're going to be talking about how you form missional people, what that even means, who missional people are, uh, how people live in light of the mission from ordinary people uh, like me and you living out the gospel in the places that God's put us with the people that God has put us in contact with. And today I have a good friend, Todd Moore, joining us. Uh, Todd's the the leader within Saturate of International Partnership. So he works with churches and leaders all over the globe. He's spent well over a decade, almost two decades in Eastern Europe. He's a coach. He's a servant. He's been part of the, the Soma family for a really long time in Tacoma. And then as recently in the last year, moved to San Diego because God was leading him there as well. He's a friend. He's a father. He's so much. Todd, thanks for being on the podcast today. Good to be here, Brad. And uh, thanks for that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. You are, you're definitely one of those relational heroes of the faith that I, that I get to know. So yeah, thanks so much. So I think one thing before we sort of dive into our big topic that I wanted you to share with, with everyone is about why you moved to San Diego and and sort of the vision that God gave you for for that city, but also just all of Southern California and how you've been seeing God even answer some of those desires and some of that vision that you had over the last year, because it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we had been living in Eastern Europe originally when we first got married for a number of years, uh, my wife Hannah and I, and then um, felt called to move from Romania to Tacoma about 10 years ago to join um, the work that God was doing there. And um, my wife's from San Diego. And so while we were living in Tacoma, we'd travel down here to visit her parents. And as we were down here, getting to know people, connecting with churches along the way, praying for the city. Um, I think the last four or five years, we just felt like God was leading us more and more to, to move down here and really live life with people and churches we were getting to know. Um, we had helped coach a number of churches down here from a distance, but there's um, as good as that is, there's just limits to it at the same time. And so mm-hmm. we felt like we needed to live here um, and really yeah, dig in deep relationally and help model some things and just be yeah, consistent here. So moved down here about nine months ago and uh, we live in La Mesa, um, part of San Diego. And yeah, it's been really encouraging. Our, um, I would say, bigger calling is to see the church unified in San Diego, North County, around the vision for gospel saturation. There's a lot of good churches down here, but um, even before we moved down here, and then it's been confirmed since we've been here that um, though churches know each other and they're friendly towards each other, they're not really partnering together towards making disciples and seeing the gospel really saturate the city. So we want to see um, more of that happening, more partnership, more learning together, more sharing, Mm -hmm. uh, more prayer, more encouraging, more all of that together Mm -hmm. to see a unified church committed to gospel saturation in 
San Diego and San Diego County and um, yeah, spreading throughout Southern California. Yeah, I definitely even identify with some of that vision. I remember as you were praying about that and we had even conversations as we were processing moving down south to Southern California as well, just the reality of, man, if, if this part of our country, uh, even the influence that it has globally, uh, if the churches yeah. in this part of the country were able to work together for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of God's mission, how powerful would that be, not just for the United States, but but really for the world? Um, and so, yeah, so thankful that you're down there encouraging fellow pastors, leaders, not just within the Soma family, but uh, well beyond that. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, it's a huge population center, probably 25 million plus in the San Diego, Los Angeles region. And um, an inordinate amount of influence, you could say, globally also. Mm -hmm. um, when you think of everything that comes from this region and how it how it spreads and how it influences uh, around the world. Yeah, I love uh, this aspect of of Saturate because we're an organization uh, that's committed to helping the church fill and equip every disciple to go into every place you know, demonstrating and proclaiming the gospel. And so the vision of, of Saturate is massive. You know, our website's saturatetheworld.com. So it's, we're really thinking of the entire population of the world, but it's also deeply connected to individual people and small communities mm -hmm. at, a, at the very, the smallest grassroots level. And so that sort of big picture, small picture thing is, is one of the ways that I want to connect in this podcast, because we often hear questions about transitioning churches, which is super important, like very important churches going from uh, no engagement in mission or, or, you know, not even proclaiming the gospel to each other to transitioning to making disciples and the everyday stuff of life. So transitioning is super important. We also hear feel lots of questions about planting churches, which is huge and important. Um, and even we think, you know, lots of questions and topics on starting and leading missional communities, how do you organize them and all that sort of pragmatic stuff. Uh, but one of the important questions that I feel like people don't ask very much uh, that kind of gets lost is uh, how do you, you know, disciple and make or develop missional people? And, and Todd, this is something that we've talked about before, just sort of yeah. offhandedly in conversations is that it, there's just this much needed area of focus and discussion to be had on uh, this missing piece of people living on mission, just ordinary people, uh, moms, dads, uh, people that, you know, work 40, 60 hours a week and, and all of the, all of the constraints that have there. Um, if we, if we miss that small piece, we kind of miss the whole thing. None of this stuff happens in San Diego or across yeah. the world. Um, so Todd, I guess first, what is a missional person to you, you know, and what makes them different uh, than, than the average sort of person? Yeah, I just want to affirm what you're saying. I think a lot of times as a whole church, we, we think about these grand strategies of seeing our church on mission and making disciples. And so we, we create these big structures or these, um, I don't know, these large um, these large initiatives to to move in that direction, but um, often it doesn't get all the way down to the uh, individual person. It doesn't get <laughs> it doesn't get down deep enough 
um, and personal enough to, to individual people. And just because we put the right structures in place or the right systems mm-hmm. in place or training or coaching in that direction does not guarantee that we're going to get, um, we're going to get people that are truly living their lives um, on, mm. on mission. And yeah. so, and from my experience, um, unfortunately it often, often doesn't happen because of that, because we don't make it personal enough. We don't make mm. it specific enough. We don't make it um, normal enough for the normal person. And so mm-hmm. when they hear these big missional strategies and these big missional initiatives, they don't, they don't consider themselves in that. They don't see themselves in that. They, they see that's something that their church is doing or mm-hmm. something that even maybe their uh, community group or small group or missional community is doing, but they don't see it specifically for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so specifically to your question, then I would say a missional person obviously is somebody who is defined, who is, who sees their life as primarily about mission and about mm-hmm. God's mission of making disciples, seeing themselves, seeing that that's true of who they are, who mm-hmm. they've been created to be, saved to be. And so when they wake up in the morning, they start their day by praying, God, how do you want to use me today for your purposes? Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, how do you want to send me today as your missionary? Yeah. So that the normal person is starting their day like that. And then as they go about their day, whether it's to work or to school or to play or wherever they go, that that is just a central motivation everywhere they go. I was talking with a doctor actually a couple of days ago, hmm. and um, he's really struggling with being a Christian doctor and seeing purpose in it. Hmm. And I was like, man, <laughs> that, is so, that is so sad because yeah. you think about a doctor, he's in a hospital He's interacting with probably a hundred people a day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, so he and I actually talked about this and prayed about this last week. And I said, what, what difference would it make for you daily if you were to wake up in the morning with a different posture and then go to work with a different posture mm-hmm. and say, every, every person I interact with today, whether it's staff or patient, but mm-hmm. every there's purpose in every interaction I have today, yeah. in every conversation I have today, in every action today. There's God-given purpose in it mm-hmm. that He wants me to. He wants me to serve these people. He wants me to bless these people, to encourage these people, to speak truth to these people, to when I have opportunity to proclaim the gospel to these people, mm-hmm. but to see every every relational interaction as an opportunity to to be a missionary and yeah. to, to proclaim the gospel. And so hmm. I think that's the difference um, when we think of, when we think of a truly missional person is that um, their day, their normal hmm. day, all of their day is really oriented around hmm. the mission of God. Right. Yeah, man, that's such a powerful prayer to do each day uh, to wake up in the morning and to even remind yourself of that prayer each day of, of God, what are you, what are you leading me? And what are you doing in your mission through my life? What are you calling me to do? What's, you know, what do you have for me today is, yeah, so huge. And I think that is, that's a great like priority shift of their lives being about mission, but that's also really practical just thing to do. 
um, especially if we believe that God answers those prayers and speaks to us. Yeah, and, and even story of the yeah. doctor, it uh, it reminds me of my daughter. I think our children always get this much better than than we do, you know, because their their lives are so simple in a lot of ways. And our oldest daughter is just so engaged with connecting people and connecting them even to our lives and pulling them in. And this last year, uh, we were having a, a, we had planned to do a small Thanksgiving dinner and our daughter was like, well, who's coming over? We're like, Oh, well just these, this one couple. She's like, that's all. Well, we've got to invite more people. And so <laughs> we, we had, had, we ended up having this wonderful conversation with her about like, okay, well, we're kind of already committed to having a small dinner with these people. What else could we do? And, we ended up coming up with a plan to have invite all she could invite as many people as she wanted all over the neighborhood to come to our, you know, on Saturday of Thanksgiving, we had a pie party. So everybody bring whatever your leftover pies over to our house. and We're just going to eat them, hang out and have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was amazing because, you know, for my daughter, it's just uh, a natural thing. Like, well, I just want to like, this is what we do. You yeah. Know? Um, we have people in our home, we hang out with people, we we're welcoming kind of folks and, and we engage with them and, and that leads to many, many more, more conversations, uh, that we get to have with people. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that. And, um, I think that that is a good definition of a missional person, someone who just sees their whole life as belonging to the mission of God. Maybe an important question might be, even before we get into how we live this way or how we make missional people would be to sort of stop and rest on, you know, the the power and the importance of motivation for any of this stuff. How do we want to do this or desire to do that? I, like, why is that even important that we would stop and reflect on our motivation? Asking all of this is where, where does the motivation come from? How can yeah. we even... How can we even encourage that with people that we're leading and discipling? Um, mm-hmm. Because it really is a hard posture if, if there's not a deep love for God, a deep love for people, a deep desire to live life this way, then um, all the training we do, all the, all the plans we make are not going to, they're not going to bear fruit, honestly, and they're not going to be sustainable. So. Um, so much of this comes comes back to the heart, and so mm-hmm. a big big piece of that is obviously prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting. I know as leaders, it's easy for us to get frustrated with. <laughs> our, it's easy for us to get frustrated with our churches, with our people, with our you know community groups, our missional communities. Um, but I know I've been convicted of this many times. Um, to realize that I, I'm not really praying, hmm. not really praying well often for my people, hmm. the, for the people I'm leading and praying um, if they don't have a heart for mission, praying that for them, hmm. that that God would give them a deeper love for people, passion for people, compassion for uh, the people around them, the people they go to work with, the people in their neighborhood, and so they're not only praying for them. But um, I wonder at times um, how well how well we even pray with them for those things. Um, yeah. It's easy it's easy for us to be with people and to 
talk about a lot of things, to be in a community group, missional community, and talk about a lot of things, and honestly, not to pray, and mm-hmm. not to pray for these types of things, to pray for each other that our, our hearts would be gripped by mm-hmm. the lost people around us, and the lostness, and the brokenness around us, and mm-hmm. praying, praying with each other for specific people, for mm-hmm. specific co-workers, specific neighbors, specific relatives, specific people we cross fit with, or we run with, or our kids play sports with. And mm-hmm. so praying for specific people, praying for specific situations, but doing it together, I think, I, I even know in my own life when I was younger and I had older um, older disciplers that were praying with me, hmm. that, that did something to my heart. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't just a, I don't know, it wasn't just this technical thing that we were doing or had to do. Um, but it's something that, um, that really, um, deepened, deepened my love for people, um, mm. as I prayed, as I prayed more for people. And so mm. I would say, um, this isn't just a starting point. This is actually a starting point needs to be just a high priority throughout as we as we disciple our people, as we form our people towards mission, towards being people on mission, mm-hmm. that we're praying for them, yeah. we're praying with them, with them for the people God's called them to, um, because I think that's a big part of the heart shaping um, yeah. and, and the heart deepening that, that needs to take place. Yeah, that's that's so true. I, just to hear that reminds me of yeah my own my own life story. I think our, when I was growing up, I was part of a a small church in the city of Lisbon. as about thirty people, basically one missional community, really that was very uh, set on making disciples. But I think the things that really changed and began to transform my life for forever was were these long weekend retreats where all we would do is pray for the city or so one sort of weekend a year praying for the city another time praying for the world and all of these uh, people groups and things and that really did transform my my life and so I can completely yeah. uh, agree with you there and it's uh it's a sad thing that we miss when we sort of yeah. just jump to what can we download to help? What video can we watch? If, yep, if yep. the people in my MC could just watch this one video, then they would do it. And we've missed this. Man, what if we brought them to the presence of God and began to pray? Well, it's so interesting. Um, the question that we hear again and again from churches and church leaders, how do, how do we train our people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, tra- the big training, training question. Yeah. And I, I think this is a big part of the answer. Um, Mm. And it's not only because of the supernatural work that Mm. happens as we pray together, but if we just want to think in terms of just training, um, the kinds of stuff that get prayed for, how people are prayed for the stuff, (laughs) Mm it sounds kind of funny, the stuff that gets talked about while we're praying is just some of the richest some of the richest training time we could ever spend. Um, because as we pray for people, we're praying for their uh, details of their lives and their circumstances. We're praying for how to better connect with them. We're praying for 
how to speak with them. We're praying mm-hmm. for how to love them, how to serve them. And so um, it's interesting. It's just kind of a byproduct of praying in this way that some of the best training content mm-hmm. comes out as, yeah. we, as we pray. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you even know this, Todd, but uh, we just started putting this disclaimer on all of our resources, like our downloadable resources at Saturate that says what you're about to download comes from the Holy Spirit was working with a particular time of people as we were praying and thinking about the best way to lead people or, or to help people. So you should do the same thing. Don't take this piece of paper and substitute it for praying for your people and praying for that. So uh, I love that. Yeah, it's uh, which is huge that so much of the the best training comes from us actually listening to the hearts of people and listening to the heart of God and, and praying for them. You know, that's one of our big convictions is that the Holy Spirit is the is the real missionary. He's the missionary spirit, He's the one who sent Jesus. He's been sending the church uh, throughout history. And so um, if we want to be sent well and Mm -hmm. sent properly on a daily basis um again in the normal stuff of life to uh, to work and out in the neighborhood and just with everybody we come in contact with man we we need to be we need to be sent there we need to be supported there um by the spirit and with the help of the spirit um Mm -hmm. literally all the time in every in every moment Mm -hmm. And so, again, I can't, um, I can't overemphasize the the role of prayer in all of this. Yeah. Anything else that you would add? I think that that definitely that seems almost like a, that's ninety percent of it. I think I think you also asked what what does that look like for a normal you know normal person in normal everyday life, and um, I would I would add a couple things. I I think um, with people we've lived in community with on mission with um, through the years, and as I've worked with churches around the world, um, I think there is some. Um, there, there, there is some stuff to talk about. Uh, in addition to praying, there is there are some stories to tell, examples to give, um, ways to do certain things. And so, um, I would say um, a lot of it is really, I could say, demystifying mm-hmm. what it means to be a good missionary. So, no matter where a person lives, what their job is, what the their economic reality is, that they 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 see themselves as um, as God sent people as, as missionaries sent on um, his mission um, mm-hmm. in, the, in the normal stuff of life. And so I know as we have discipled people and worked with people through the years, just telling, telling lots of stories of what that can look like to, mm-hmm. to coach youth sports with um, intentionality to to be a mom that goes to the park with this kind of intentionality, to live in the neighborhood, go for walks with this kind of intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is just normal people living normal life, but again, with a different heart posture, mm-hmm. different eyes and with different ears to see people differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's the real work as we think about forming missional people 
is is normalizing it, mm-hmm. being that every person every person can do this. Yeah, that's God's design, and also that um, I think a lot of Christians when they hear some of this, especially early on, they're they're a little fearful. They're a little unsure because they've never thought this way, never talked this way, never, um, you know, lived their lives in this way. But but to realize that um, they've got the spirit who wants to support them in this, who mm-hmm. wants to lead them every step step of the way in this, mm-hmm. and then in that that we also we also see that we get to do this in community. Right that it's not just a bunch of individual missionaries sent out, go it alone, you know, mm-hmm. survive on your own. But it's like, no, we've got, we've got a community. We've got a family. We've got a team of people behind us that are, that are praying, uh, praying through all this regularly together that are encouraging mm-hmm. each other regularly, that are planning regularly, that are, that are figuring this stuff out regularly together. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a game changer. I think, unfortunately, historically, a lot of people, um, as they imagine their own lives and imagine doing this, they feel like um, doing it alone is just, they, they can't imagine it, um, doing it alone. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point. We were never intended to do it alone. We were intended to do it in community. And so when we form people in communities in this direction, there is support, mm-hmm. there is encouragement um, um, that's needed to to live in this way um, consistently and yeah. to, to live in this way fruitfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true. And that's even, I think, what we see in part modeled by Jesus, that he didn't come to you know, deliver a manual on how to make disciples. He came and he made disciples in community. And the disciples were able to see Jesus and see how he lived and see how he's interacting with the rich people, the religious people, the, you know, people in villages, people in temples, you know, like they, they witnessed him yeah. uh, doing all of that. And I think that's a huge lesson too of, you know, um, even thinking in my own life, you know, I, I can look at several uh, people that were discipling me that I probably didn't even know it, who were just through their lives, they were yeah. showing me, oh, this is how you live for the mission of God. This is how you, this is how you enjoy the fruit of the gospel while you're living to proclaim the gospel. And and because of their example, uh, I basically caught what it meant to be uh, a disciple of Jesus in many ways. I love that that reality of the the power and the importance of both example and model mm-hmm. um, as well as experience i know again people people that we lived life with in community through the years um early on um again this had not been their church experience this had not been this had not been something they had experienced before and mm-hmm. so it was important at times just to invite them along mm-hmm. um I know there were some holidays, um, Thanksgiving and different holidays, where we invited some non-Christian friends into those holidays with us and had some other Christian couples um, from our community join us for that. Well, they'd, <laughs> they'd never done Thanksgiving together with, with you know, a couple other non-Christian couples. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> just to spend a good part of a day together like that and to eat a great meal and leftovers mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. to do, to do all that together. 
these these Christians had never experienced that. Yeah. They'd maybe done it with their immediate family or maybe mm-hmm. done it with a few close Christian friends, but never mm-hmm. with somebody, um, never with somebody who didn't know Jesus. And so to invite, yeah. to invite them into it, that experience just totally changed their um, perspective. And again, they saw how normal it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, you just did Thanksgiving dinner and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just did, you just did the same things that we always do, but you did it with a, you know, with a different posture and with a, mm-hmm. with a different intentionality. And mm-hmm. when you invited them into that meal, um, you took a real interest in those people and you asked them good questions and yeah. you, you wanted to know their story and wanted to know about their life. And, um, you know, Mm-hmm. They, they were able to see us and experience it for themselves. And so they walk away from that Thanksgiving meal with a completely different perspective then for themselves of what it looks like to um, to be on mission and to love people and to spend time with people and to talk with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they needed that experience to like, you know, get them, get them through all the, um, fears and get them through yeah. all the barriers and get them through all the excuses really. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of Christians have a lot of excuses as to why they don't live this way, why they don't love people in this way. And so mm-hmm. um, basically when we invite them into an experience like that, which Jesus was always doing, um, I love, <laughs> love so much um, the story in Matthew and Jesus um, uh, when mm-hmm. they went to the party at Matthew's house, Matthew had just become a follower, so you know who his friends were or what mm-hmm. his friends were like. <laughs> you know what the party, you know, you know what this party was like going on at Matthew's house. And I love that Jesus didn't just go there alone, which he could have done. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have loved Matthew in that way and just gone to that party alone. But he also took the disciples. Yeah, and I think it was pretty shocking for the disciples. Probably mm-hmm. they had never yeah. seen a religious leader go into a environment like that, talk with people like that, mm-hmm. spend time like that. And so this just shattered so many misconceptions for the disciples. So yeah. I love, love that Jesus did that and how he did it. And um, as with my previous example, I can imagine the disciples walking away from that party that evening then saying, mm-hmm. wow, now we get it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Now we get what it looks like to love tax collectors and sinners and mm-hmm. to be in their presence and to be at a party or to be at a meal or, you know, wherever. And mm-hmm. what it looks like to love people like this, to talk with people, to ask good questions, to, to serve them, to bless them. Um, I believe the disciples walked out of that party at Matthew's house radically changed. What are some of the things that maybe, you know, as you've lived life this way, as you've, you know, woken up most days asking God, how do you want to use me as a missionary? What are some of the things that God has called you to that might have even felt uncomfortable? Yeah, what are some real life examples, you know, for you or or for your family that's sort of led to, you know, those moments where like, I can't even believe I'm, I'm doing this or, (laughs) you know, or or maybe it's like, after the fact, you're like, well, man, that was so normal. 
But one of the cool things that does happen is the more you live life like this and spend your time like this, um, stuff that might have seemed crazy and radical in the beginning becomes very comfortable and mm -hmm. very, very normal just over time and through consistency. Um, and so, yeah, where we lived on the south end of Tacoma for a lot of years was a pretty, pretty rough place um, and was very ethnically diverse, was very economically diverse, tons of broken families, tons of single moms, very broken. And so, I mean, it was when we first moved in there, it was even, you know, pretty shocking and um, just in terms of the level and the depth of brokenness. And so when we started to pray that prayer and think in this way, it's like, yeah, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be uncomfortable and God's going to call us to love some hard people in some hard situations. And sure enough, you know, Sure enough, as we prayed like that, and we're open and sensitive to the Spirit leading us to people like that, man, tons of people <laughs> came into our life like that. <laughs> but um, you could say in one way it was hard or uncomfortable, but it was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful and life-giving and exciting mm. in so many ways because, um, I mean, we saw brokenness healed in so many situations and we all people far from God come close to God. Hmm. And um, again, we, we had neighbors who were, you know, meth addicts, um, who were, who were growing marijuana in their backyard and, <laughs> you know, sharing it and smoking it often with their friends. And we, we became great friends with these neighbors and saw, you know, saw some beautiful stuff happen in their lives. Some single moms that we were involved hmm. with. Yeah, and just just learning to love them in practical ways. Hmm. Um, again, where there's a lot of brokenness, there's always a lot of opportunities. And so practical ways to, to bless and to serve, uh, whether that's financially or helping them fix things or clean things or hmm. babysitting their kids or taking their kids to school or coaching their kids in youth sports. Um, there's so many practical ways to serve and bless mm. um, and then have opportunities to, to proclaim the gospel and mm -hmm. Jesus into that. Um, and so, but it does, um, it's like anything um, you got to get started. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as you get started, you, you learn and you grow and you get more comfortable and um, yeah. again, as you do it as a community, you're not, not alone. So mm -hmm. a lot of these people, a lot of needs, but we weren't doing it alone. We were inviting our community into loving and serving these people with us and yeah. um, saw so, so many cool things happen with the Christians too, because many of them had not been around broken people that were this broken before. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. so for the Christians to, to learn to, to engage people like this and talk with people and spend time with people and see, yeah, they're, they're really no different than us. It's mm -hmm. purely, purely God's grace and God's goodness that has made us any difference and has given us, you know, opportunities that many of these people don't have. Mm -hmm. um, it's only God's grace. As we live life like that and engage like that, it's a, um, it's a deeply humbling. Yeah experience and it's a deeply shaping experience where again more and more we see that this is what jesus was really after yeah what he really wanted it to look like for us to mm -hmm. die to self 
mm-hmm. die to the American dream, mm-hmm. die to our comfort, our safety, our kids' comfort, our kids' safety, and to really pursue people passionately and sacrificially. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and I think that that is a true, beautiful place to be, you know, where we find ourselves trying to obey the great commission that Jesus gives us to go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, but also live in such a way to where at the end or at the, even at the beginning, at the middle of the end of each day, we're saying, Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus is with me. I'm so glad that he gave me the spirit that not only I'm not called into the mission as a, you know, kind of like a, a foot soldier, I'm called into a relationship with God. And, and that relationship takes me into the mission of God. So yeah. getting back to that motivation piece that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And, and then that does that just sort of snowballs into this journey yeah, yeah. Of, of less and less of you and more and more of God or losing your life, but finding your life in Christ. And I think that's one of the ways that it really matters. You know, one of the things that I share with people often is that, you know, the mission is very good at shepherding people. So if you've got a community full of messy people and you think, oh, well, we need to make sure that they get healthy first before we, you know, push them into the mission. Uh, the reality is the mission actually shepherds our soul, you know, like God uses the mission, yeah. I guess, which is, yeah, I think why. why yeah, all this totally. Yeah. yeah. One last thing I wanted to say, um, there is a planning element to it where you do have to say, when are we going to spend time with people in this way? Hmm. where are we going to spend time with people in this way? How are we going to do that? And so we do have to make some plans. We do have to say, how are we going to spend Saturday afternoon or Sunday evening? And so we do have to plan. And as we do that, we then um, as a community hold, hold each other accountable to those plans. Because again, those, if we're planning properly, which I would call prayerful planning, Mm-hmm. We believe that those plans were given us, um, not because they fit into our schedule. Those plans were given us by the Spirit, mm-hmm. and they're they're God's plans for our week. They're God's plans for our weekends, mm-hmm. and so if they're His plans, then yeah. there's the expectation of obedience and faithfulness to the plans He's given us. Mm-hmm. And so if they're His plans that we're called to be faithful and obedient to, then mm-hmm. we can hold each other accountable to those plans. Yeah. You know, you know, in a good, healthy way, mm-hmm. um, not like in a legalistic way, but in a, in a healthy way to say, man, we, we prayerfully considered these things together. We believe we heard from the spirit in these things. If the spirit wanted, wanted us to spend Saturday afternoon that way with mm-hmm. those people, were, were, were we faithful and obedient to that? Yeah. Or were we not? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Did we choose to, you know, in the mm-hmm. in that moment, make a selfish choice, a fleshly choice, or a spirit-led choice to to actually follow through on the plans we believe He led us to? I think I think planning and accountability is is part of this, and it's it, it, it's a very necessary part of the whole discipleship process. And we see Jesus Jesus had very clear expectations for his disciples. Mm-hmm. And so there were there were clear expectations. There were clear things that um, he expected them to do and he kept them accountable to. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, when they didn't, that's when he would pull them aside and, you know, <laughs> basically have a discipling conversation with them and say, you know, what happened there or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, why, why did that happen? Yeah, that's such a good point. It's not just this spontaneous life. There's also this prayerful planning aspect of yeah. living into this missional life. What am I going to do? multiple days from now? And how am I going to plan and prepare myself so that I can do that, that I can walk in obedience and even reflect back. So if God called me to do that on Saturday, how will I do it? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, we can't miss that. Just to sort of summarize, you know, a missional person is someone who sees every aspect of their life as part of God's mission in the world, uh, that has purpose to it doesn't matter who you are, or where you're from, or, or what your context or responsibilities are. God's using you as a missionary. It's part of your identity that some of the first steps into that or even to equip or whatever it would be to, to pray. That would be praying people, listening to God, that we would model it as well, that we'd put ourselves around people that are modeling it. So if you're like, man, I, I don't even know how to do this, try to find those people that are, that are living a life and mission. And, and hopefully that's in your community, you know, that, that we need each other to see that modeling, that example, and then also sort of that planning and that commitment to obey. And I think that, yeah, that that's a pretty powerful and beautiful recipe for kind of experiencing the love of God and the, the rule of God in our daily lives. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Todd, thanks so much for, for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to hearing more about what's happening in San Diego. And uh, for all of you listening, uh, we hope that this has also been a blessing for you and, and enriching in your life in the gospel and also as you, you seek to, to be faithful and to obey and, and walk in the spirit. So uh, thanks, and uh, we'll see everyone next time. Thanks, Brad. Good stuff. Thank you, Todd. So great. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.